Welcome to another edition of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the award-winning show covering fishing, hunting, conservation, destinations, and other outdoors recreation across the greater Northwest. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lur, Sportsman's Warehouse, Sina Sea Seafood, and Wallowa County Chamber of Commerce in the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. And now, let's see what's happening this week with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. We are starting things off with a whopper of a fish story. I was fishing September 29th with my good buddy Rusty Johnston on our home water of Potholes Reservoir and came back to the boat launch and I was walking past the fish cleaning station when I saw several anglers cleaning fish there. Being the curious person that I am, I had to see what they'd caught, and I saw that Joan Hardesty and her husband had had a very good day of bluegill fishing. They had a whole mess of bluegill, some good ones too, but one stood out. It was literally the biggest bluegill I had ever seen in my life. And I asked him, did you weigh this fish? And they replied, no, they didn't have a scale. And they were just going to clean it right there. And I said, don't touch that fish. Let me grab my scale from the boat and let's see what the state record is because this could be close. So that's what we did. So we grabbed the scale and it weighed in at 2.27 pounds. I checked the record books for Washington State, found out the record was caught in a little pond in Yakima County all the way back in 1984 by Ron Hinote, and that bluegill weighed 2.33 pounds. So we're literally talking about an ounce difference here. So I told him, you need to get this fish to a certified scale because you can't count on the handheld one I've got here as being completely accurate. So we called Mardon Resort, found out they did not have one and that the nearest certified scale was at the Safeway store in the meat department at Moses Lake. So Joan and her husband went to Moses Lake. I had her promise me that she would text me with the official weight, and she did. It was so close. It was 2.275 pounds. So it didn't beat the state record, but again, we're talking about an ounce, an ounce and a half here. My, oh my, what a monster of a fish, a true brute of a bluegill. And Joan, you should be very proud of yourself that is the panfish of a lifetime. This week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we've got some great guests for you. We are going to talk to Pat Ray, the author of A Chucker Hunter's Companion, about chucker hunting here in the Northwest. It's not a sport for the faint of heart. As a matter of fact, it's a sport for those of you who have a good heart because you're going to be doing a lot of walking and a lot of it's going to be uphill. But these birds, you get into them, they can be very much worth the effort. We've also got fishery reports for you from the Columbia River Gorge, courtesy of Mark Bush with Twisted Waters Guide Service. He's been after the salmon there, and we'll check in with Steve Huber. He fishes both Northern California and Southern Oregon for salmon and other fish, and he's going to tell you about a, a bit of a mess going on in terms of fisheries management in Northern California, and he'll also let you know about the salmon trips he's offering right now on rivers like the Chetco and the Rogue for salmon. Bob Loomis is back for another extended Max Minute. He's going to tell you about a brand new lure they've come out with that's going to work great for both open water anglers and under the ice. And you won't want to miss our conversation with Dan Hansen, the co-author of the book Paddle Roots of the Inland Northwest. Dan's going to tell you about some great destinations you can enjoy throughout the greater Northwest in the month of October in a canoe or in a kayak to take in all that nature has for you. First things first, though, it's time for another edition of Sportsman Spotlight with David Sparks. 
High-tech fishing reels, David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Former professional fisherman and present owner of a business that fabricates fishing rods and reels for retailers like Bass Pro, Jeremy Nielsen discusses limitations with high-tech equipment. Technology that's out there now. When you get active target or you see a guy using active target and you go on a guy's boat and you watch him catch him, you go, wow, that's the best thing I've ever seen. But when you get it on your boat and you go to use it, it'll take you about six months to even know what you're looking at. Lending credence to Jeremy's thoughts, a series of modern low-profile bait-casting reels which exhibit an array of features and capabilities that didn't exist even a decade ago. In fact, it may be hard to recognize the newest class of casting reels. Make that Bluetooth-equipped casting reels. Using Bluetooth to pair the reel with your smartphone and an app, the initial setup begins with inputting the line type, test, and diameter. On the water, The reel employs highly accurate motion capture sensors in the spool assembly to provide anglers with precise casting metrics, including the number of casts made, average distance, farthest cast, retrieve speed, and more. By providing real-time access to this valuable information, anglers can enhance their understanding of the fishing environment, analyze their successes and failures, and make necessary adaptations based on the prevailing conditions. I ought to write a book, Fishing for Nerds. Did you hear that? That's the sound of great careers in agriculture, one of which could be yours. With the number of different job boards that are online these days, it can be overwhelming trying to find out what best suits you as an individual in the ag industry. Hey, sift through the clutter and find your agricultural career on the job board focused on you, agcareers.com. AgCareers.com is the leading online job board for the agricultural, food, natural resources, and biotechnology industries. We are committed to fueling the next generation of talent in agriculture in an effort to feed the world. We understand and support the vast number and variety of careers possible in the industry, from welders and biotechnologists to agricultural teachers and software developers. The time to work in agriculture has never been better with nearly 6,000 career opportunities available on agcareers.com. An opportunity for you is out there. Search for your future today on agcareers.com. I'm going to take you fishing, honey. You're going to love it. Going to get up before the sun. Rise above us. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are heading south towards the border of California and Oregon, talking to Steve Huber, the owner of Steve Huber's Guide Service and Crescent City Fishing. Steve, great to have you back on the air. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with Northern California, because I know that the Sacramento Chinook Run was a complete disaster. They pretty much shut down Chinook fishing throughout California and a good portion of of Oregon. Then they shut down rockfish fishing in August. What's going on there? Yeah, so with uh, no salmon fishing in any of the rivers because the escapement wasn't there, they decided to close all salmon completely. And so what that kind of did was let people come to the ocean and, you know, try to enjoy fishing. And we had a problem with one fish. It's a quillback and a little bit with a copper. And the quillback numbers went over their allotted number. And essentially, we went from one fish limit to zero fish limit to five days later be completely closed. And so it's a catch-22, you know. Nobody wants to harm one species whatsoever, but the data they use to get this fish is, is not correct. And so it's going to take a little bit of time to do a hook line sinker and go back out and 
try to get a population and get a true number so that we can get it. So in the next, you know, meantime here, we're going to have to fight and get the data to get changed so that we can actually have true numbers because we're dealing with 26 different species in the upper Northern California area. Very interesting. First time I've seen something like this. But in the same sense, too, you know, everybody wants to be out fishing. And so we've got a battle on our hands for the next couple of years here. You know, it's it's really interesting to me about the quillback because you can't keep them in southeast Alaska, but they are like prolific. I mean, I fished in northern BC. I fished in southeast Alaska. And even though you can't keep them because of they're a species of concern, they're everywhere. And I'm sure it's the same in Northern California. I'm not the only one that questions the science behind non-retention of quillbacks because far and away, that's the, the rockfish that I catch more than any other. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, to get the method to get their stuff, they use a trawler and the rockfish aren't in, in 50 fathoms. And so, you know, they're not going to bring those big nets against the rocks over there. And we, it's just, it's never been a prolific problem. And we know that the numbers sitting inside, outside of California and that area, the numbers are high. And so it's a data thing. And, you know, this year we didn't have a lot of tonnage to do. And, you know, before they checked, you know, we were fine. And then the next thing you know, we're, we're right almost at the border of the consumption. And then the next thing you know, we're at zero. And the next thing you know, we've doubled what we're supposed to have. And so that's going to put that rockfish into a protective and a rebuilding section. That's what we're going to deal with now. And so it's a very tough situation. It's one of the rockfish that, to be honest with you, out of the other charter boats that will run out of Crescent City, not one of us kept one. There's so many other fish to catch. Right. You know, the, the quillback, the copper, and the china should be completely off limits, period. So leave that fish alone. You know, there was plenty of blacks and blues and vermilions and canaries and lingcod, you know, to have fish for this year. And so it's devastating to, you know, to all the coastline, you know, and it, you know, really took out Crescent City, Trinidad, Eureka. All these are big ports that a lot of people come down to see because they're coming to see the redwoods, go fishing and see the ocean. So, you know, we're not out of it yet. I mean, we got... A lot of meetings and a lot of stuff to do and a lot of stuff to get changed. And it's going to start, you know, with a meeting last night with the groups, you know, who are starting to get the board of supervisors and the rest of the people ready to go and to be at, you know, the PFMC meeting in November down in San Diego. So nobody wants to hurt the fish. Right. But when the data's wrong, it's terrible. It's just, it's just wrong. Yes. And PFMC folks, if you don't know, is the Pacific Fisheries Marine Council, and they go about setting regulations for ocean fishing. So keep fighting the good fight there. Let's talk about some better news. You are now fishing the rivers, the Chetco, the Smith, and the Rogue. And what are you after, Chinook, Coho, or both? Yeah, both, actually. So we have the ability of taking the sled and going out fishing the mouth of the Chetco and, and Rogue. And, you know, the coquille and the coos are still doing the same thing, but we're seeing a good punch of salmon coming into these things. The rogue has got some coho. So, are the you know, the coquille and the, and the coos are pushing in coho like crazy. So we have some opportunities. And then when the rain finally comes, which we're, you know, starting to get a couple of good showers here, then it'll push the rivers open and we'll switch to the drift boat and start moving in the Checo and the Smith and start going after the salmon first batch and then the steelhead. So, yeah, just changing gears. I understand. And how has the coho run been? I know up north it's been fantastic this year. Is that holding true for you in southern Oregon, too? 
Yeah, and definitely, you know, when they reopen the stuff and it allow us to get out in the mouth right now, outside stage right now are a ton of fish. And some of them are coho and some of them are salmon. And so, you know, we didn't get the size, you know, they don't get the size that they get up north a little bit. But they're definitely, you know, they definitely push in. The Rogue is definitely a coho place because they do release there. And so they release them in a creek right there. And so they do come into the bay right there. And uh, they're pretty fun. They're going to go through a lot of bait because they like to bite. But it's a, it's a fun fishery. And so it still gives us an opportunity, you know, to catch a couple of fish. Well, sounds like a great opportunity to me. And folks, if you want to book a trip with Steve Huber, just go to his website. You'll find it at stevehuberguideservice.com. That's stevehuberguideservice.com. Head on down to Southern Oregon and catch some Chinook and Coho. Now is the time to do so. Steve, always good to catch up with you on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. All right, John. Thanks for having me. Have a great show. Next up, we've got Mark Bush on the line. He's the owner of Twisted Waters Guide Service, based in the Dalles, Oregon. And this is the time of year where Mark is out there targeting salmon in the Columbia River Gorge. Mark, great to have you back on the show. Great to be here. Now, usually you are fishing off the mouth of the Deschutes with a whole bunch of other people this time of year. But I understand that's not happening this September. What's going on? It's just been really slow. It's kind of hit and miss. We're kind of working around the netting schedule. And they've changed their techniques with the native netting, and they're being very effective. Gotcha. And when they're netting all the fish, there's not a lot left for the recreational anglers. I get that. So where are you well, fishing instead? I'm at the mouth of the Klickitat right now. And how has that been? I always think of that as Hover Fishing Central. We've been doing very well trolling this year. Good. Well, frankly, trolling's, I think, a little easier for the guides and a little easier for the clients. There's no doubt when you're getting a bite. Absolutely. So are we just looking at fall Chinook still, or had the coho arrived? Not in any great numbers that I've seen. I haven't caught one yet. That's not to say that it couldn't happen tomorrow. But I have kind of switched up techniques, and I'm running at least one rod shallow just in case. And how would you rate the fall Chinook run, you know, from an A to an F? Let's say it's school. I would say it's about, it's not the best I've ever seen, but it's pretty darn close. It has been a really good year. So I'd give it about an A minus, B plus right in there. Yeah, that's definitely worth going fishing for. How long do you think this is going to keep going with the Chinook before we transition straight into Coho? Well, I know there's guys that are still down at below Bonneville that are still catching Chinook. So I was down there last week and we were catching fish. So I think this run is going to go in for a while. Good to hear. And last question, what is your setup that you use when you're trolling? Just a 360 flasher, big ball of lead, and I've been using spinners and super baits, and we've been doing pretty well on both. Any preferred colors or scents? You know, it's kind of a whatever they, I run a a rod with something different on each rod, and I let them tell me what they want for that day. That's more than fair. And scent? I'm using a little bit. I'm, of course, putting tuna in my uh, super baits. But on the spinners, I, I haven't really been using anything, maybe a little bit of shrimp oil or shrimp gel on the 360, and that's about it. All right. Well, folks, if you want to go fishing with Mark Bush, great guy to fish with, just go to his Facebook page. It's Twisted Waters Guide Service. You can also go to his website at twistedwaters-gs.com. The salmon fishing is very good in the Columbia River Gorge right now, so don't miss out. Go to twistedwaters-gs.com or Twisted Waters Guide Service on Facebook and book a trip with Mark today. Mark, thanks as always. Thank you. 
It ain't much, but if you pay a little float, I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. I'm Bob Loomis and I fish for walleye. Sometimes when I'm out on the water, I feel like a destroyer captain hunting for targets with my electronics. I'm not hunting submarines though, I'm hunting fish. And when I find that big one on the fish finder, I want to make sure she's going to bite. That's where the Smileblade Slow Death Rig from Max Lure comes in. The Smileblade spins and flashes at ultra-slow speeds, and the one-of-a-kind red hook keeps that bait moving in a way the fish can't resist. It's the Smileblade Slow Death Rig, only from Max Lure. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio and to an extended Max Minute, brought to you by Max Lure. New product alert from Max Lure with us here to tell you exactly <laughs> what's coming out for the walleye anglers and ice fishing anglers out there is Bob Loomis. Bob, tell us what you've got rolling out right now. Okay, John. We just brought out what we call the uh, Smileblade SD Drift Jig. It is a jig... It's available in four head colors and pre-rigged with eight different color patterns of what we call the Smileblade SD Hitch, which basically the hitch is a one-inch wire that has a fast-change loop on the bottom of it, and the wire has a few beads with a Smileblade. So I can basically hook that one-inch wire up to virtually anything. We designed it with a jig. And right now we've got a 3 8 ounce jig that we started out with. And the colors are all, you know, basically match forage bases. So you can put this SD hitch onto virtually anything that, that you want to play with. Swim baits, crank baits, jigging spoons. You can troll it, inline troll it. You know, you can do anything with it. We're selling the uh, Smileblade SD hitch in packages of three. And also we sell the... Smileblade SD Drift Jig itself with a hitch on it in the four different head colors with uh, four different hitches on them. So it's a fantastic fishing tool for doing virtually anything. So are these available in stores yet or just online at maxlure.com? They're just getting out to the stores right now. All right. Look for the SD Drift Jig and the SD Hitch at stores near you. If you can't find them there because it's brand new, just go to maxlure.com, order them today. Deadly on the walleye. It's going to be deadly for ice fishing. And again, you can use that hitch and hook it up to just about anything you're throwing out there. Pretty excited about fishing this, Bob. Yeah, it's a great fishing tool. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. 
Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is the voice for your public lands, waters, and wildlife. Find out how you can get involved at backcountryhunters.org. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Pat Ray on the line. And the reason we do is because chucker season is opening up in parts of the Northwest this week. And I thought that having the author of a book called A Chucker Hunter's Companion would be a good person to have on the air to talk about chucker hunting. Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. So where do you like to hunt chucker in the greater Northwest, Pat? Well... Over the years, I've tried an awful lot of places. I am centered in Oregon, but I've hunted throughout the Pacific Northwest as well as uh, Nevada. And I tend to hunt in the early seasons, particularly early part of the season, on the, the larger drainages. In Oregon, the, the Chutes, John Day, Malheur, the, particularly the Snake River, all provide uh, consistent water sources, obviously, for the birds that are dependent on them in that desert country. And down in Nevada, you know, they don't, they are not, as we used to say, eat up with big drainages. And so a lot of the birds uh, are found around commercial or man-made water sources. And the Nevada Department of uh, Game and Fish puts out a water development atlas to help people find areas where chuggers might be found. But in general, for the rest of us, if you are near a river or a consistent water source, and that includes seeps and, and springs and uh, man-made ponds, then, then you're likely to find chuggers if the rest of the requirements are met. And the rest of the requirements would probably be food. They are dependent on seeds, and particularly they like cheatgrass. And cheatgrass is an invasive species and an unfortunate addition to the desert landscape. Probably its only good aspect is the fact that chuckers really like it. Let's talk so, a little bit about the chucker. This is a bird, like the pheasant, that is not native to America. It's not. It's actually native to the high mountainous countries of Iran and most of the stands, uh, Iraq. They're found up to... 16,000 feet in some of those uh, Middle Eastern countries. They were first brought over here in the late 1800s, but they didn't really catch on in the United States until the early 50s when they started becoming self-producing populations in the Western states, particularly Nevada and Oregon. Well, I can see why they didn't catch on for a lot of hunters because I always consider chucker hunting as the ultimate cardio sport. And there's that Greek mythology tale about Syphysis, who was a king that was sentenced by Hades to push a boulder up a hill, only to see it roll back down just before he made it to the top. And he has to do this for an eternity. And when I chase Chucker up a hill, only to see him fly downhill to the bottom again, I feel a lot like Syphysis. It's, it can be a miserable sport sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, there are an awful lot of people who hunt Chuckers once and once only. And, <laughs> and probably for that reason. It is a challenge. And almost no matter how you approach it, uh, Chucker hunting is among the most physical of the hunting pursuits in North America. But there are ways to reduce, if not minimize, 
the level of effort. I've been doing this for 40 years. I'm in my mid-70s now, and I find myself, you know, searching out areas that maybe aren't quite as challenging as I was doing when I was in my 30s. So you can you can find chuckers in a lot of areas. They like rocky areas and sagebrush. Rimrock is a favorite, but sometimes you can arrange to hunt downhill. Not often, but sometimes. Well, that's the kind of hunt that I would like when it comes to chucker. And I've gotten lucky enough a few times quail hunting to get in a chucker, and I always feel blessed when I do. It's like I have no idea what you chucker are doing down here on the valley floor, but I'm glad that you are. So I'll take it when I can get it. Here's another question for you. If you're going to be chucker hunting, you're going to want to have a dog. And the question for you is this, flushers or pointers and why? Well, it's a really good question to get in a lot of trouble with, John. But I will say this, that uh, like your favorite gun, the dog that you want to hunt with is the dog that you love, the dog that you can trust. But I've seen lots of people with good flushing dogs and do very well with chuckers. Personally, my, my choice is a pointing dog. I have hunted with setters and pointers of a couple different brands. And I like an animal that is capable of looking a chucker in the eye and convincing it to hold while I kind of try to catch up and get within range. I was going to ask about that as to how well chuckers hold. I've only hunted them with flushing dogs before, and it's always like you're racing after your dog to try to catch up to the chucker, and of course it's always uphill. So it's interesting to me that a pointer can hold them. That's good. The best of the pointers certainly can. It's a very tough job for a dog that is not experienced or that is not uh, trained well enough to hold and, and stay steady. But you can certainly uh, walk into covey of chuckers that are being convinced by a good dog to hold still and wait for you. All right. Well, next question. Chucker, they are bigger than a quail, smaller than a pheasant. How do you like to cook them up? Well, you know, there are uh, as many recipes for checkers as there are for quail. I have in, in my book a, a chapter devoted to the various recipes. My personal favorite, generally, for my wife and myself, is to remove the flesh and saute, do sort of a kind of a Chinese saute, and serve it over rice. Oh, that sounds delicious. Okay. And speaking of your book, A Chucker Hunter's Companion, tell us what else is in there besides those recipes. <laughs> well, you know, that the book is designed to be, as the name implies, a companion for a chucker hunter. And it's a great starting place for people who have never hunted chuckers before. It provides a lot of background on the bird a lot of information about how to go on your first hunt and how to find birds and approach them. It also has a number of essays that have been shown to be really popular. One of my favorite parts of the book is called The Laws of Chucker Physics. <laughs> <laughs> They're different from other physics. The first law is that the shortest distance between two points is always up. <laughs> Very true when it comes to chucker. And one of my other favorites is the top is a mirage. There is no top with reference to the hill that you are climbing. Yes. You know, you'll go on and on and think, well, I'm almost to the top. When you get there, it's not the top. 
<laughs> There's a lot of fun in the book and a lot of good information. I I tell people that uh, it's the finest book on chucker hunting ever written, and I'm I'm actually not kidding. Of course, the the list of chucker books is pretty pretty small. This is true, but you've got a good one, that's for sure. And folks, if you want a chucker hunter's companion, it was written 20 years ago, but it's still available at Amazon.com. So just go to Amazon.com, look for a chucker hunter's companion, get a copy. And get ready to get in shape, hiking up some of those ridge lines and hills after this bird that tastes great but is really hard to hunt, the chucker. Pat, thanks for sharing this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks. Come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter, full of the gear you need to succeed this hunting season. Firearms, ammo, archery equipment, decoys, clothing, boots, and more. Find a location near you or shop online today at sportsmans.com. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Dan Hansen on the line. Dan and Rich Landers, longtime columnist for the Spokesman Review, wrote a great book a few years ago that I love to leaf through when I'm looking for adventures. It's called Paddle Roots of the Inland Northwest. Dan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, John. You know, a lot of folks are thinking about fall fishing and hunting seasons are opening up. But in my mind, October is a great time to be on the water in a canoe or a kayak or even a paddleboard. Yeah, and you know, the, what makes it great is not only do we have these terrific fall colors, but also a lot of the power boats are winterized now and they've been put away. So it's a little quieter and some of these waters you can have to yourself. Let's talk about some places where you can enjoy the changing colors of fall when it comes to the foliage. Right. And where I live in eastern Washington, mostly what you're talking about is western larch, which woodcutters call tamarack. And so it starts in the state of Washington, north of us here in Spokane, it's the Colville National Forest. And all those lakes are beautiful. But my favorite is the Little Ponderay Lakes chain. This is a string of four lakes that are linked by natural channels. There's a couple of campgrounds there, and I'm sure you'll love it. Now, these lakes, does that include, I'm trying to remember, Gillette Lake? Correct. It's Sherry, Gillette, Amis, and Heritage. 
All right, so that's up in Northeast Washington. Any fall colors you can enjoy in some of our neighboring states, like Idaho or Montana? Oh, you bet. In Idaho, the lower St. Mary's River is often overlooked, and it's got great fall colors. That's by the town of St. Mary's. But the classic North Idaho trip, and this is the perfect time of year to do it, is Upper Priest Lake. And a lot of people are familiar with Upper Priest, but just a reminder that you put in on Priest Lake and then paddle three miles up the thoroughfare, which is a natural channel, and you get to this beautiful forested lake that'll be much quieter now than it was in August. That is beautiful country up there. I actually got to enjoy that as a Boy Scout, as a teenager. We did a 50-mile canoe trip through Priest Lake and Upper Priest Lake, and I remember seeing my first moose in that thoroughfare between the two lakes. Oh, what a great memory. And yeah, you're highly likely to see a moose there, as well as black bears. Well, I'm glad I saw the moose instead of the black bear. I'll be honest about that. (laughs) (laughs) Take me to Montana and give me a good one. Okay, in Montana, since we're talking about western larch, the largest known western larch tree is right near Sealy Lake. And Sealy Lake is also the end of a a gentle three-mile, probably two-hour canoe trail called the Clearwater River Canoe Trail. And then once you're at Sealy Lake, of course, there's going to be all those larches. And they've got a weird, rare combination of weather and terrain that creates just the right lake surface to create uh, what they call uh, large needle balls. And these are like the size of softballs. And um, if you're lucky, you might find one of those. And uh, I know people like to bring them home and put on their mantle as a, like a trophy. But you won't, I haven't seen that anywhere else. Very interesting. You're listening to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. We're talking to Dan Hansen, the co-author of Paddle Roots of the Inland Northwest, about some fall destinations where you can go and canoe or kayak and enjoy all that fall has to offer. You know, one thing I like to do, Dan, when it comes to autumn, is explore national parks because all the crowds are gone. The wildlife is out. And, again, you've got the changing colors of the trees and the foliage. What are a couple of places you'd recommend paddling in our national parks out here? Yeah, and what a good time. I was in Yellowstone National Park earlier this summer, and we had a really hard time getting a campground, even with lots of advanced camping. But this time of year, it's a bit easier. And a good canoe or kayak trip in Yellowstone is to launch your boat at the boat launch on Lewis Lake, which is in the southern, near the southern entrance of the park, and then paddle up the channel that leads to Shoshone Lake. And Shoshone Lake is backcountry camping. You can get permits to camp there. If you explore around, there's some thermal features, and it's quiet and lovely. I know that in the spring and summer, you can catch some of the invasive lake trout that are there. I'm not sure how the fishing is in the fall, but I'll bet it's pretty good. I'll bet it is, too. What about Glacier National Park? Is there anywhere up there to explore? Yeah, and my my paddling partner is not going to like me sharing this. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you go up to the northwest corner of Glacier, where far fewer tourists go, and go past the town of Pole Bridge and drive up to the to the extreme northwest corner, right up by the Canadian border, is the, uh, is the Kintla Lake campground. It's a small campground. They don't take reservations. It's a long drive, and you might get there and find all the campsites full, but probably not this time of year. And then in the morning, put your boat on Kintla Lake, 
paddle the length of the lake, which is about five miles. You're probably going to see loons. And then at the, when you get to the head of the lake, there's a three-mile trail that leads up to Upper Kintla Lake, which is a beautiful hike. And at Upper Kintla, you'll be looking up at mountains that have glaciers on them. And then hike back down to the main lake, wait till the evening wind dies down, and paddle back to your campsite. And I guarantee you're going to sleep well that night. That sounds like an absolutely fabulous trip. You know, speaking of loons, it makes me think of Canada, probably because of their dollar coins, the loonies. But you also cover some destinations in British Columbia in your book. Are there any that would be a good one this time of year? Yeah, and it's been a number of years since I've done this. But north of the town of Castlegar, British Columbia, is Spokan Lake. And the uh, west side of the lake is roadless. It's Bahala Provincial Park. So all along that west side of the lake, there are trails that go up to the high country, up to where there are glaciers. The lake itself is beautiful. The water is crystal clear. It's a 23-mile trip to go the length of the lake, so it makes for a great long weekend if you want to do it as an overnighter. There you go, folks. Some great ideas about where to go paddling this fall, whether you're in a canoe or a kayak or, in some cases, even a paddleboard. And if you want more ideas, pick up a copy of Paddle Roots of the Inland Northwest. It's been out for a while, published by the Mountaineers, but it's still available, and it's still a great book. It's full of destinations where you can paddle in the greater Inland Northwest, and I know you can get it at Amazon.com as well. Dan, thanks so much for sharing all this with us today on Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Thanks, John. I hope you have some great outdoor adventures. Next, a question for you. Are you having company over soon like I am? Do you want to impress them with a great meal? Well, it's hard to beat wild-caught Alaskan seafood, especially when it's premium-quality seafood delivered right to your door by Sina Sea Seafood. And I've got a great idea for you. How does this sound? It's the Favorites Bundle. For $199, you get two six-ounce halibut fillets, two pounds of spot shrimp, and smoked salmon spread, which is absolutely delicious. Not only that, you're saving $33, and you can save even more by using the promo code OUTDOORSRADIO. That'll give you another 10% off. So order the Favorites Bundle for a great seafood meal or some of the other seafood they have. You can spice up that meal with some crab cakes. You can also get salmon. We're talking Chinook salmon, Coho salmon, and sockeye salmon too, which is absolutely delicious. As well as sablefish, rockfish, lingcod, and true cod. It's all available at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Order the favorites bundle or anything else you want for the next meal where you want to impress your company. And again, use that promo code OUTDOORSRADIO for 10% off. Stick around. We've got more of the outdoors coming your way to include your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week.
The Dalles in Oregon is your base camp for fishing fun. Reel in big salmon, tangle with steelhead, bass, and walleye, or wrestle a monster sturgeon to the boat. After the day is done, you'll find a variety of lodging options around town. Need to resupply? We've got you covered with sporting goods stores plus great dining, breweries, wineries, and can't-miss attractions like the Gorge Discovery Center. Plan your fishing getaway today at explorethedalles.com. That's explorethedalles.com. Fishing and fun. That's what you'll find at Mardon Resort. Come to sunny eastern Washington and bring your RV or rent a cottage, cabin, or room at our newly upgraded resort at the south end of Potholes Reservoir. Get tackle and provisions at our general store. And after you're done fishing, hanging out at our swim beach, or boating for the day, enjoy dinner and a drink at the beach house. Find out more at mardonresort.com. That's mardonresort.com, where the fish bite and we don't. Did you know we actually have a sponsorship opportunity available for this show? That's right. You can be a sponsor of Northwestern Outdoors Radio, reaching thousands of listeners every week, tuning in to 69 stations in seven states. If you have a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts, this is the platform for you, and you're going to find it's much more affordable than you think. Contact me through my website at northwesternoutdoors.com, and let's get a conversation started. That's northwesternoutdoors.com. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter with the gear you need for fishing, hunting, camping, paddling, cooking, and just about anything else you can do in the woods or in the water. With over 125 stores across America, there is bound to be a Sportsman's Warehouse near you with not only the gear you need, but also the experts to help you get the most out of the product you purchase. Head down to your local Sportsman's Warehouse today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. That's sportsmans.com. Located in the northeast corner of Oregon, Wallowa County offers a unique destination rich in natural beauty and outdoors recreation. Enjoy the clear waters of Wallowa Lake. Take a tram to the top of Mount Howard for million-dollar views. Hike or ride into the Eagle Cap Wilderness and fish or raft the Wallowa and Grand Ronde Rivers. It's all waiting for you in beautiful Wallowa County. Plan your visit today at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Before we go today, we've got time for one last shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with your host, John Cruz. I'm glad you're back because I've got a story to tell you, and it ties in with our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. If you ever drop by my studio, you're going to see I have a prized possession in there. It's an old Mitchell 300 spinning reel. Now, the Mitchell was actually the first commercially successful spinning reel that anglers really embraced starting right after World War II. And over 30 million Mitchell spinning reels have been sold. The one I have is from the early 1960s. It actually belonged to my grandfather. He has his initials etched into the reel seat. And sometimes when I'm a little stressed, I'll just take that old reel and open the bale and then reel and click it. And just remember the times I had fishing with my granddad back in Colorado. Always a pleasant memory. Something else etched on that rail, this by the manufacturer, is where it's made. And in the case of this early 1960s spinning reel, I can tell you that the country that's etched onto this reel is where it was also invented. And here's your question. In what country was the Mitchell spinning reel invented? Was it Japan? Was it France? 
or was it the United States of America? I know if you're not an angler, you'll probably have to look this one up. And even if you are, you might have to do so. Or you can just venture a guess. And you can do so by shooting me an email at john at northwesternoutdoors.com. You can also send us an email through our website at northwesternoutdoors.com. Just go to the Contact Us page and let us know what country the iconic Mitchell 300 spinning reel was invented in. Was it Japan? Was it France? Or was it the United States of America? One lucky person who guesses right wins a $25 gift card to Sportsman's Warehouse, which could come in handy for buying your own Mitchell spinning reel. On that note, it is time to go. Congratulations again to Joan Hardesty, who reeled in that near-record bluegill 2.275 pounds out of Potholes Reservoir last week. That was a real dandy of a fish. And if you want to see a photograph of it, you can see it on our Northwestern Outdoors Radio Facebook page. And on that note, I think it's time to go fishing. So until next time, do take care. God bless and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Outdoors.